This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, it's been a most unusual spring and summer this year, and now that we're on the brink of the school year starting, there still remains a, a number of questions as to what will happen next. Now, obviously, we're all eager to someday get back to a so-called normal routine again involving school and teachers and our kids in sports. But looking ahead, I just hope and pray we have learned some lessons over the last few months that will prepare us all just in case COVID rises up again this fall and winter. And we'll be discussing this, this key issue later on in the hour. But first up, I want to turn to some good news for a change. I want to talk about a very unique organization that you may not heard about, and it's called Baseball Miracles. This is an organization that basically supplies baseball equipment to underprivileged kids all over the world. And it's amazing because it's just so simple and so direct in its approach. Now, let me... Let me stop there before I get ahead of myself and introduce you to Kyle Bamberger, who is the Director of Operations for Baseball Miracles. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. uh, Kyle, this is, as I said, this is some good news for a change, and this is such an extraordinary uh, organization. I I wanted to share it with our listeners. Uh, Now, a little background, I'll let you expound upon this, but I do want to say from the outside that Baseball Miracles was started a few years ago by John Taminia, longtime scout for the Chicago White Sox. And going way back in the day, John and I were teammates for the Brooklyn Queens Dodgers in the Atlantic Collegiate Baseball League back in the 70s. 
as I recall, our home field during those days was at Poly Prep down in Brooklyn. Now, John is is home recovering after contracting a a rather rare medical infection, but uh, the good news is that I spoke with John Timinia the other day, and he's on the mend, and he's doing much better. Uh, And Kyle, I I want to talk to you because I know that this is this is really a labor of love for for you and for John Taminia and the entire staff of Baseball Miracles. But let, let's let's talk about this a bit because I'm not sure many people know about Baseball Miracles. So tell us about its origins and and what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, happy to, Rick. So um, as you mentioned, a labor of love uh, starting with John. Really, everything with this organization started with John's vision. Uh, him, couple friends, uh, those in his network visited uh, the Dominican Republic back in 2012, um, just a, a small team helping children in the area, and it's really grown over the years. Now we've visited over five continents, or five continents over 10 countries, I should say, mm-hmm. and roughly 3,000 children. Um, every child that we visit, uh, they get instruction from our staff, which is largely comprised of MLB personnel and other volunteers. Uh, they receive a glove, a ball, a bag, and really just a, a fantastic memory to, that they can share with each other, those in their community. Um, it's an organization that John based off four pillars, uh, baseball being the first one that comes to mind, and naturally with the title. Um, Devotion, it's a faith-based, uh, ecumenical, non-denominational group um, where we, we serve and with the two-fold commandment at, uh, in mind and heart. Mm-hmm. Um, community service is a large part of what we do. We don't only just... Uh, hold a clinic, but we'll always give back to the community in some shape or form. That could be a monetary donation uh, and also a community project, working on a local school, a local facility, uh, serving uh, those at a food kitchen, uh, things along those lines. Um, And lastly, sociability, Uh, not just our team enjoying each other's company, but also working with the kids, community leaders, really make it an all-encompassing experience for all those from that community uh, to make sure, again, it is a memorable experience for all that are involved. And Hopefully, a life-changing one at that. This is so extraordinary, uh, Kyle. I mean, it, it means you just outlined uh, this was the the brainchild of John Taminia, and and uh, over the years, uh, he and his his, his uh, associates like yourself have made the trip all around the world to all the various continents, and and basically running mm-hmm. these clinics for uh, underserved uh, children who obviously are eager to learn something about baseball. As you said, the equipment that's given out, the the gloves and bats, balls. This is really amazing. And, and um, tell me, I mean, I know this past year, I guess uh, before the pandemic sort of kicked in, you guys had gone to Mexico and to India. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell, us, tell us how this whole thing works. How, what, what are the behind the scenes? What goes on? <laughs> well, you know what, Rick? It's, it's a one-of-a-kind organization. Uh, I've never been part of something truly as special as this or different. Uh, it is a completely volunteer group. Uh, we have a staff of over 50 now that John has assembled. And... Uh, you know, we'll put in the time around our daily schedules to make sure that we can hold these clinics. Uh, Mexico was something where John connected with a friend of his and a group that was able to uh, partner with us and work with uh, over 150 children down in Mexico City in the uh, community that is located next to a, a dump, actually. So these children live in literally a garbage dump, and we were able to you know, bring them out on a local field and give them a, a lunch, you know, the experience of baseball and softball. And, um, you know, I, I was there for it again, one of just a truly ex- uh, special experience, something I'll never forget. Mexico is actually, um, a byproduct of a, a young woman on our team named uh, Savannah Watt, 
her family has an orphanage in India, and we were able to support them with gloves, balls, the essentials for the game, uh, and they held a clinic out there as well. Um, had a couple other trips planned, but obviously COVID threw us a curveball, uh, no pun intended. And, sure. um, you know, now we're, now we're planning for 2021 where we're looking at Poland, uh, Krakow and Auschwitz, uh, as well as uh, working with the mentally and physically disabled uh, children and young adults, both uh, with Access Supports for Living, a partner of ours in New York as well as a, a clinic in Cooperstown. So a busy 2021 ahead, and we made the most of, uh, of what we could during this, this COVID situation. Now, you just mentioned, Kyle, that obviously you're going to have some clinics next year uh, here in the mm-hmm. States as well, because uh, I did want to point out the fact that while you guys obviously do some globetrotting, you're also are, are, are serving kids uh, uh, throughout the United States. Uh, do you, off the top of your head, are other places that Baseball Miracles has gone uh, in the United States? Yes, in the United States, um, we've been to New Orleans. Um, we've been to the Dakotas and Indian Reservation out mm-hmm. there. Um, we've been to Baltimore uh, last year. Um, we've traveled quite a few places, Albuquerque, uh, another recent one, and we were actually going to uh, visit there again this year. But those are some of our main domestic trips, a couple of sites in New York, Newburgh, New York uh, being another one. Sure. And then um, internationally, you know, we've been from you know, South America, Honduras, Argentina, uh, Ireland and Europe, um, Africa, and a couple different locations, and uh, as well as Canada. So I've been a little bit of everywhere. Uh, try to you know spread the wealth and make sure we visit children all over the globe, uh, not just domestically but also abroad. And um, yeah, it's uh, as you were kind of hinting at, um, it's it's kind of special how these things come together. A lot of times it's a contact, some connection that that John has made that has really inspired us to visit these communities, and um, hopefully more to come um, on the domestic side as well. Yeah, I just want to point out that we're talking with Kyle Bamberger, who is the director of operations of a fascinating uh, group called Baseball Miracles. And, and uh, friends, I, I really urge you to check out this. Uh, and, and, and Kyle, what is the website? It's at BaseballMiracles.com, right? It would be BaseballMiracles.org. .org, I'm sorry. Because so it's, it's, it's a 501c3. It's a not-for-profit as we just heard, Kyle was saying these are 50 people, all volunteers. Um, what is? I can just imagine the reaction of these kids uh, when you guys sort of walk in. Into the, these are not obviously uh, uh, you know country club types of environments; just the opposite. And, and these kids, all of a sudden, who have nothing, are, are you know, being basically showered with this, this free baseball uh, equipment. It must be mm-hmm. extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it. There's so many things that we take for granted, just being able to play the games of baseball or softball. And Mexico City resonated with me in a lot of ways. But one was, I remember one child we worked with all day. Uh, We gave him his Baseball Miracle shirt, and uh, he came up and at the very end just gave me and a lot of the other uh, volunteers a hug. And Hmm. it doesn't really hit you until that moment where, um, you know, we could really be making a difference when we're on these trips. We are making a difference and giving these children an opportunity that they other they wouldn't otherwise have. So, um, you know, the smiles on the faces, the fun that's had, um, just getting to experience that and the camaraderie you have, again, not just with the team, but with the children and with the community leaders. It is, um, it is a one-of-a-kind experience, and every trip has its own special features, um, and is uh, is unique in its own way, and um, you know, you you come back from all those trips that we've been on, just energized and ready to help more and more. Um, again, there's just nothing like it. I, I can't emphasize that enough. It's pretty now, special. I, I and just doing some homework. I just want to make sure I got this right. Uh, you know, I know that you have some 
some hardcore baseball lifers like Clint Hurdle, uh, who's involved mm-hmm. with this, and uh, the White Sox uh, owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, is a big supporter. But but Major mm-hmm. League Baseball uh, is not uh, uh, involved in this at all, um, and nor do you guys have uh, major corporate sponsorship. This is not what it's about. Most of the people who fund you are these are people who are uh, basically um, mom and pop organizations or just individuals who believe in, in the good that you're doing. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct, and um, we have had some phenomenal supporters. Clint Hurdle's on our advisory board and also serves as an active member of our team, mm-hmm. um, providing leadership and, and guidance for our staff. Um, ben Sherrington, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, a lot of prominent names in the game uh, have supported us, continue to support us, and we are incredibly thankful for their generosity. But uh, there's also plenty of uh, individual donors, um, members of our advisory board, but also people that we meet on the street, people that we come across and, and conversations uh, spur. And all of a sudden we're talking about baseball miracles and, you know, even the smallest donations, a glove here, a small monitor or monetary donation there, every single donation, um, you know, provides an opportunity for a child to get on the field for uh, most of the time. It is their first time. So uh, yeah, no major sponsors behind us. Um, we have just some phenomenal supporters that continue to, display generosity like we could have never imagined. And, and, and Kyle, uh, your background's in baseball as well. That is correct, yes. Um, current scout with the Cleveland Indians, uh, res, uh, residing in the uh, Southern California area. This was my, uh, my second draft with the team. Oh, I see. So, okay, so, I mean, your work, as you said, you're a volunteer also at Baseball Miracles, and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, basically your full-time job is with, uh, with Cleveland uh, as a scout. It's, it's just, it's such a feel-good story, and, and the, the, the things you guys are doing is just, uh, just remarkable. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm honored to just be a part of it, and I feel lucky um, that John came up to me one day at the ballpark, and we uh, we headed off. Uh, he introduced the organization to me, and I feel pretty fortunate that he brought me on board, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of our other volunteers. John has this uh, amazing ability to connect with people, and uh, I'm sure others would have a similar story. But, uh, yeah, just a, a one-of-a-kind organization. We all love to volunteer time to help because this is the game that we've all grown up on that we love um for some of us myself included making a career out of it and it's only uh only best that we pass it forward and and help the youth of uh not just the u.s but all over the globe get to experience that game as well such a such an extraordinary operation i I started this segment uh this morning to say that i have some good news for for people who follow sports and and uh kyle uh this really is extraordinary i obviously i salute you and all of your colleagues with Baseball Miracle, and of course, John Timinia. Uh, this is just uh, amazing, amazing what he's created and had a mm-hmm. vision for. And obviously, it, as you said, it has basically served thousands of kids all over the world uh, who are basically looking to play baseball and find out more about the sport and just have a sense of what it's like to have a brand new glove in one's hand or a brand new baseball bat. These, these are special moments, to be sure. Kyle, again, uh, mm-hmm. people, you know, if want to contact uh, Baseball Miracles, baseballmiracles.org, correct? Yes, and they can also reach out to operations at baseballmiracles.org via email. Uh, we are on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and LinkedIn as Baseball Miracles, Twitter, Base B Miracles, and um, we're always open to interacting on those sites. Um, plenty of different ways to uh, to get involved uh, coming up in the next month with our playoff push, a 5K, a virtual 5K. 
that we're holding. So if anyone wants to be part of the mission, get involved one way or another, all of those platforms are ways that you can reach out to us, and we look forward to talking to you. Terrific. Hey, Kyle, uh, again, my congratulations to you and your your, your colleagues and to uh, to John Taminia. Uh, just wonderful stuff. Anyhow, good talking to you, and, and uh, keep up the great work. Excellent. Thanks, Rick. Thanks. That's Kyle Bamberger from BaseballMiracles.org. Be sure to check this out. It'll make you feel good. Okay. After a short break, I'm going to return. I'll be talking with Steve Callis about what are the key lessons, the essential takeaways from our dealing and battling with the virus over the last six months, and what we can really expect moving ahead. Uh, These are important important points uh, I'd like to share with you. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, uh, well, you know, we're now six months into our ongoing battle with COVID-19, and I thought we'd take a few moments this morning to reflect on where we've been and, more importantly, where we are going with youth, high school, travel, and college sports in this country. And that to that end... I've asked our good friend Steve Callis to join me. Uh, Steve is, of course, longtime contributor to the Sports Edge as a sports parenting advocate, a top attorney, and as a former athlete himself, a member of the distinguished Power Memorial Athletic Hall of Fame. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Great to be with you as always. Steve, we've got a lot of ground to cover here, and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to distill what's happened over the last half year and trying to figure out where we go from here and what are what lessons have we learned what can we benefit from you know our, our grappling with this uh, this most unusual and deadly disease uh, I do think there are a few things that we should be taking away from this because um, well let's frankly you know we're on the verge of schools and high school sports uh, starting again this fall um, you know and the reason I ask this now is because there's always the chance that COVID might come back again this fall and winter. And as much as we don't want to hear that, I think it's best to be prepared to see what we can do to, to minimize the impact on our kids. Now, yeah, I think you're right, Rick. I think uh, a lot of us thought, especially in the Northeast, after we got hammered like we did in March and April into May, we were hoping this would kind of go away. Yep. Uh, but as we've heard from all of the experts, this is just something that's not going to go away. If anything now, it's getting to be worse because it's more widespread throughout the country. You'll recall New York, New Jersey, Connecticut early on. And I think there was a false belief by many that somehow it was just going to stay up in the Northeast. Now, of course, it's all over the country. Schools are reopening, which is guaranteed to cause a lot more problems in terms of cases uh, the high positivity rates in a bunch of these states still, like Florida, for example, and Texas and Arizona, is very high. And I think what we should have learned, but I don't know that we have learned, is at a minimum, the whole country should be wearing masks. I don't want to get it all political here, but, you know, the latest models are we're going to be over 300,000 in December. And yep. somehow, if most of us wear masks, we can save 70,000 lives. So, again, politics aside, I don't know why if someone came up to whoever and said, wear a mask, you can contribute to saving 70,000 lives. I don't know why the overwhelming majority of us would do that. Uh, but that is not where we are, frankly. And all the accounts are, Rick, as you said, with the flu coming in the fall, schools opening now. The colleges are just starting to open. I think the last I heard there were 36 states that had problems in colleges with positive COVID tests. You've heard all about the uh, places all over the country where schools have opened, high schools, elementary schools. 
They literally close in a day or two or three to go to totally online. So I think we're still in the midst of it. And, you know, again, according to these models, we're going to have more problems before we're going to have less problems. So I think everybody has to tread carefully, both academically and athletically, no matter where you are in the country. Some, Some of the things you just covered, Steve, I just want to hammer home. Yes, the most recent projections are that over 300,000 people in the United States will die uh, from COVID-19 by the end of the year. Over 300,000. Uh, that's, that's a staggering uh. amount of people. And, and uh, it's, they're also saying, the medical experts are saying, it's more imperative than ever before uh, to get a flu shot. Yep. Um, and that's not a flu shot. It's not it's nothing to do with the vaccine for COVID. It's totally different. Uh, uh, and yet, as you just outlined uh, so eloquently, you know, we're really sort of in a transitory state here. We still haven't figured this out. Yes, of course, we look at uh, at the NBA, the NHL, uh, their experiment with the, the bubble seems to have worked uh, for the most part. Uh, Major League Baseball continues to sort of, you know, stagger along uh, as <laughs> best they can. Uh, and I, I do believe that if uh, Major League Baseball does finish their the regular season, I am sure they're talking about maybe having the playoffs uh, being held in some sort of bubble because they, they must be looking at what's happening with the NBA and the NHL and saying, well, it worked for them. Maybe we can do the same thing for baseball players. But my point is high school sports over the last three or four months, a lot of conversation on the show. You've been part of it about the fact that, you know, uh, we may have to postpone sports again to the winter. Um, that's a real possibility. And yet, of course, the irony of all this is that travel teams are, are up and running and have been running for the last couple of months as though nothing has changed from last year. It is extraordinary. But before we get to all this, I do the one, the one theme I keep hearing all the time from concerned athletic directors, parents, coaches, you name it, is that there's such a lack of strong communication from the political leaders and state leaders and school districts regarding sports. I, I, I know we're on certain times, but if there's one takeaway everybody definitely agrees upon, it's that we need to have much better lines of communication from the state officials and the school districts and the parents. Nobody really knows what's going on, and nobody knows we're moving ahead. Are we stopping? Are we? Mo- I mean, come on, folks. We understand it's been relegated to be a state-by-state basis and school district-by-school district. Okay, fine. Communicate. Tell us what's going on. I think that's the first lesson we really could benefit from. Yeah, it is pretty incredible, the total lack of communication. Of course, in New York, things have been put off till September 21st. We know that. There's a big battle, as you know, in uh, in New York City, 1.1 million kids. And, and they actually want to try and have uh, kids go into school one, two, or three days a week. Given the size of that school district, uh, it strikes me as absurd, um, and I think it's another accident waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It seems like, anyway, before the state is willing to say anything about sports, um, they first have to deal with specifically what's going to happen in schools. But as you said, the schools are left up to individual districts. Apparently right now as we're sitting here, we don't know, but the sports seems to be so far we're waiting for the governor or his office to give us something. Uh, I don't want to say anything, but something. You're right. The lack of communication here has been just incredible. And no matter what happens, it'll be a black mark on the entire state government. But I will say this. There was a quote recently from Jim Malatris, uh, 
He is the president of Empire State College, but he was also a big part. You know, if you watched any of those Cuomo during the terrible days, those Cuomo daily uh, press briefings, Jim Malatris was a guy who was on the governor's reimagining education advisory council and was often up there with the governor. And he said recently, quote, there is no interscholastic sports approved yet. That's going to be an ongoing discussion. Yeah. Now, uh, it's getting late. You know, Yogi Berra gets, uh, it gets late early, Rick. Well, <laughs> it's already late, and it's not early anymore. So I think we, we just have to sit back and wait. I know coaches are making plans to start, at least in New York, on September 21st. But there's really been, as you said, literally no guidance it's not we got a little bit here a little bit there we got nothing and and the psal in new york has been as silent public school athletic league or more silent than everybody else so it's kind of sad i think everybody's waiting for somebody else to do something uh but nothing's going to happen until the governor speaks and again hopefully that's sooner rather than later now let's turn along these lines to the issue of waivers now uh, steve some weeks ago uh, you came on the Sports Edge and talked about this. Uh, I mean, and now several months have passed. Are high school athletes, are they going to have to sign a waiver in case uh, they do play for their high school so that they, in case they do contract COVID, uh, they're not going to be in a situation where they're going to sue the school district? I, I believe that every high school athlete is going to have to sign a waiver, and if they don't, they won't be allowed to play. Now, you talked about seeing a bunch of travel teams playing, and when we did that show back in June, I was able to get my hands on a couple of uh, these travel teams, uh, you know, the things you have to sign to join, and they all had specific COVID waivers. Now, as you know, and as we discussed at the time, uh, a a waiver for COVID-19 you can still sue, but generally you'd have to prove like gross negligence or something like that, something out of the ordinary. The question now is becoming what is the standard of care in the area you live in? For example, if you showed up and there was no social distancing, they didn't tell you to do that, there were no masks, you didn't have any place to wash your hands, no hand sanitizer, I think even if you signed a waiver, that would be problematic, frankly. But um, it's still something that I would be as a parent a little fearful to sign on behalf of my kid or have my kid sign because what we've learned, Rick, literally in the last month when things are starting to open up, and again, there's political pressure to open up, that's a whole separate issue, but the school districts that we've already seen open have had a lot of problems just keeping kids in the classroom, never mind, you know, linemen banging each other's heads for 50, 60 times in a game, just using the the most obvious example in football. So I would be surprised uh, if you don't have to, because the school districts have to protect themselves, the coaches have to protect themselves, and then the parents going to have a very difficult, and I believe it's a very difficult decision to make. You just can't say, oh, my kid really wants to play. He's been cooped up for three or four or five months, so I'm going to go ahead and let him play. I think it's a little deeper than that. And again, I guess the good thing up where we live, there will be southern states that are starting to open up. Alabama, for yes. example, yes. started to have high school sports. Correct. And I saw one article where they said there was no social distance and very little mask uh, wearing. The problem there, as you know, is you have to wait one, two, three weeks. You don't know what happens when you show up at that game. You don't know what happens with those 
400,000 now uh, motorcyclists, the bikers who went to uh, South Dakota, but we're already hearing after that ended, just five or six days later already there are breakouts in South Dakota, in Nebraska, in Minnesota that have been tied directly. Now that's 400,000 people, mainly outdoors, but 400,000 people, Rick, virtually none of them wearing masks. So you have to think it's going to be, and that's part of the 300,000 estimate. I heard the guy, Dr. Murray, talk about it, and he said, we think there's going to be a lot of cases coming out of there. It's only five days. We already have like 25, or whatever the numbers were when he said that. Um, this is all part of a massive problem that I'll say it again, unfortunately, to me, looks like it's going to get worse before it gets better. We're talking with Steve Callis, of course, and we're talking about uh, the takeaways, lessons that we should be learning from battling COVID for the last six months. Steve, let me take a break. Uh, when I come back, we'll continue our conversation. I want to talk to you about, you know, what is the underlying reason with college programs uh, shutting down, yet high school programs uh, are continuing on? It's something that, that doesn't seem to add up. We'll talk about that. Stay with me. Welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. I'm Rick Wolf. Now, don't forget, you can always follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf.com. Dot com And I thank everyone. Actually, let me point out, you can follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf. And you can always go to AskCoachWolf.com, my website, to check out my blog and find more resources on sports parenting. We're, right now, we're talking with Steve Callis about the lessons, the, the hard lessons we've learned from COVID over the last uh, six months. And, uh, yeah, this is still, I know, a very fluid situation. Uh, Steve, before the break, uh, I wanted, I was going to ask you about how it is, if you're a sports parent, uh, you're looking at all these college programs that are shutting down, obviously the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12, and um, the MAC, and so on and so forth, and yet uh, high school sports are still going on. Uh, and, of course, as I mentioned before, travel teams are flourishing. Is this all to have to do with legal liability? Is that what's going on here? Well, I think it's partly legal liability. The problem, though, especially for the high schools, and again, just because a parent signs a COVID waiver doesn't mean that their kid gets COVID, you're off the hook. You, the travel team coach, or you, the uh, organizer of the travel team, you, the collector of the money, because these things are not cheap. Right. Again, that doesn't mean you can't sue. That'll be a defense, and then that will have to be litigated. But here's my problem. So you see the Pac-12 the Big Ten, the Big Ten, Rick, Ohio State, Michigan, they're putting it off till the spring. Uh, the Ivy League's not playing. I understand it's the Ivy League. But when you have two of the Power Five conferences stop, I read an article with some uh, upstate New York State football coaches talking about their concerns. And one guy who did not want to be named said, I spoke to a few of my college friends. They said, if you want to run a good testing program for your football team, you need half a million dollars. Yeah. Now, we yeah. know a lot of colleges that will have that half a million dollars and can run, and maybe that's why I'm not supporting this at all. The SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 right now are still going forward with a schedule. But no high school, as far yeah. as I can tell, certainly none in the area we know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, would have a half a million for a good testing program. So the first question you have to ask to me as a parent, if your kid's going to go play football or, frankly, any fall sport now uh, where there's any kind of closeness is going to be, well, hold it now. Are you testing? And if so, how much? Because some of these places, even if they have testing, let's say, once a week or maybe twice a week, you know from the experts that that is not sufficient um, 
The NHL and the NBA did every day. Baseball did every other day and got criticized for it. That's why some people think when the Marlins had that outbreak, Mm -hmm. where they went from 1 to 4 to 11 to 17, and then uh, the Cardinals after that. Now, they started testing those teams every day, and interestingly, when Cincinnati had one, they only had one guy. So if you test everybody today and get the result tomorrow, that's a lot better than you test everybody today and get – you know, get it in uh, two days. And then I heard on the weekend that sometimes even the baseball teams had trouble getting it in 48 hours. So every day that goes by, you know that's another opening for more positives and more spread. But again, Steve, that, of course, is at the elite level, the professional level. Correct. We have deep pockets. You just pointed out, high schools don't have that kind of budgets. And, and, uh, I mean, to my way of thinking, um, it all ties in with the, the waiver situation. And I know the teachers have unions but, I mean, if you're a coach, uh, you have to sign a waiver that if you get sick, you're not going to be able to sue the, the school district. I mean, it's weird, and yet that's we're just moving ahead. I know in some cases, obviously, in New York, New Jersey, they have postponed or delayed the start of high school sports for the fall. But, I mean, and they all say, of course, this all can change on a, at a, at a moment's notice, and we can all shut it down. But why even take that risk? I mean, you know, there's an old saying, you know this, uh, uh, playing sports is a privilege, it's a privilege. It's not a right. And, and I know it's heartbreaking to tell kids that are, you know, their, their clock is ticking on their high school careers. Uh, they got deprived of their spring season and of the fall season. But it's a privilege, and it's not a right. And it may just be that we have to just sort of keep fighting this COVID and finally get it corralled to the point where we say, okay, now it's safe to go back. And, again, since travel teams are independent and they're out there in the wild, wild west, we don't know at all What's happening with them? I mean, I was walking around uh, uh, town to where I live uh, this past weekend, and, you know, the high school fields are all shut down. They're in pristine shape, but lots of signs that say, uh, you know, field closed, no trespassing. Yeah. And then you go two, three, four minutes away to the town fields, the rec fields, and they're all the businesses booming. There are kids playing travel baseball, travel softball, lacrosse, basketball. It's like a whole different world. So we don't, and I don't see anybody social distancing. I don't see any masks. I don't see anything. It's like, okay, this this doesn't add up to me. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with these travel programs as well. I mean, I, I guess some of them, and I've heard some reports that some of them do take it seriously with social distancing and masks and sanitizer, but a lot of them just don't. They just don't think this is a problem anymore. And again, to me, that's and to you, that's just an accident waiting to happen. Yeah. And also, you won't know again for a few weeks or a month what's going to happen. And the other problem is, I'm guessing that the travel teams do very little, if any, testing. You know, if someone tells you, oh, we're taking temperatures of, at, of everybody at the field, well, temperatures, I'm not going to say that's meaningless, Rick, but as you know, especially with kids, they're asymptomatic, they're not showing any signs, you don't really know, so they're going to have a normal temperature. And and we've learned now that kids can spread it. We can talk about the age above 10, below 10 if you want, but they can spread it. A five-year-old girl died of the coronavirus in Florida recently. We, we are hearing things about kids that we didn't hear three, four months ago. And that's another concern that you have to have. So I'm not at all clear what the protection is for these kids, especially if we're going to talk about the travel teams briefly. There's no testing. And I don't think there'll be any, if, if maybe once a week at most, testing at the high school level for the sheer cost of things. You and I were talking back in June about if a football team 
team is going to an away game, even if it's 10 miles away, how many buses do you need? Uh, do you need one? Do you need two? Do you need three? You know, Rick, how much these buses cost <laughs> to take a team from one school to the other. I mean, these bus companies make a lot of money. So how is that going to work? And and that's minor compared to the actual can we test from a fiscal perspective, it sounds like we absolutely cannot test. You know all the states are going broke. All the districts are going broke. The school budgets, you're familiar with them for years yeah, like I yeah, was for yeah. many years, and they're always on the precipice of being broke. So I don't know where all this money is going to come falling out of the sky, but I don't think it is, and that's just another reason that it becomes more unsafe for the kids. Steve, uh, our time is limited. I just want to wrap this up with you because clearly this is an ongoing issue, and and uh, look, nobody, there's no more ardent sports fan in the world than, than me. And, of course, you yep. and the people who listen to the show and listen to the fan on a daily basis. Obviously, we want sports to continue. We want our kids to enjoy sports so that uh, that legacy goes on. But we got to sometimes, as I say all the time, somebody has to be the grown-up in the room and say, look, we're going to have to basically come to grips with this. We may have to shut down. We don't want it to shut down, but let's get this thing under control before we move ahead uh, and make the same mistake again because this will just keep repeating itself over and over. And we are talking about life and death situations. Correct. Give Give me your recap in about 30 seconds if you can. Well, the recap would be for me, I know in New York State, and you're familiar with these, they, they already have six scenarios, they call them, about what could happen in five and six doesn't start any sport until January. Football would be pushed till March. I know you and you had a guest who were very high on that. I agree with that. I think the best way to proceed forward-looking is to not be concerned with all of this in terms of athletics. First, you have to be concerned with all of this physically in the school, in the school. And then if you're going to have sports, I would just move it till the three short seasons New York recommends in scenarios five and six that start in January, football in March, et cetera etc. I think that's the safest way to proceed, with no guarantee, of course, Rick, that that would even come to fruition come January. Steve Callis, uh, very, very wise thoughts, to be sure. I, I always appreciate your insight and input on these very, very complicated issues. Steve, my thanks as always. We'll talk again real soon. Always a pleasure, Rick. Thank you. Steve Callis, of course. Let me take a quick break. I'll be back with a final thought. Stay with me. Hey, uh, my thanks this morning to Kyle Bamberger of Baseball Miracles uh, for spending some time with us talking about that rather unique and marvelous organization. And, of course, my thanks to Steve Callis. Look, friends, uh, we got to get through this, but we got to get through COVID in a smart way that's going to benefit our kids, keep everybody healthy and happy. We all want sports to happen, but we got to make sure we get our get our are, we're able to corral this really terrible medical disease before we can really make sure it's safe to go back and resume our so-called normal routine. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Paul Rosenberg. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.